Okay, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the gathering we have tonight to study your word. We trust you to teach us. We trust you to open our eyes to see what we should see, to understand the word, that every word that you inspire tonight we have entrance into every hearer. Guide us through this study. Help us to understand the workings of your spirit so that we too can yield to him and be used by him for the purpose of our life is to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are the doctrines of the church part eight. We're trying to round up the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And like I said the last time, uh, the book, The Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenny Hagin, is, I recommend it highly. Some of the materials we got from there too. You know, some is not from there, some is from there, but I recommend it. And you're going to see some of the definitions and things that we got from there too. So our text is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. The Bible does not want a Christian ignorant <clears throat> about spiritual gifts and the workings of the Holy Spirit. Remember that we are in the era of the Holy Spirit. We are at the time of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to pre-profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another to, by the same Spirit, to another <clears throat> faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. Ten. To another, the working of miracles. To another, <clears throat> prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Okay. And we say that the Holy Spirit is so orderly. He does everything in order. So he enumerates things in order of importance in order of priorities. He doesn't just write things, no. Anywhere you see the Holy Spirit enumerating something, he puts it in order. He knows what he's talking about. So First Peter says, First Peter 14, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So you see, every Christian should know the gifts that God has vested in him or her. And should be able to use it to serve the body of Christ. But when we are ignorant of these things, we, we are not going to be able to use to the Holy Spirit when he urges us or prompts us and wants to use us in these areas. Anything you are ignorant of, you are not going to excel in. Anything you are ignorant of, you will not excel in that thing. So that's why it's important for us to be familiar with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to understand it very well. This is one of the areas the enemy has confused a lot of people. A lot of things are going on only in the name of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I'm saying. So we need to go to Scripture and make sure that what we are believing is the right thing, is the correct thing. So we don't yield ourselves to the enemy to use, to begin to add more confusion to the ones he has caused already. So we want to conclude the teaching on the gift of the Holy Spirit or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And we said there are nine ways that he manifests to minister to people. They are called ministry gifts because the Holy Spirit ministers to people through those manifestations, mostly in public ministry. 
But like we said, sometimes in your own private closet, he can use those things to minister to you personally. So you see, it's important, very important that we are familiar with this thing. Sometimes when I pray in that spirit, sometimes it gives me interpretation of it. It gives me interpretation of it. And I understand what it is. Sometimes I ask him, he will show me sometimes in a revelation, in a, in a dream, what I was praying about. Sometimes you start praying and then you know when the message is coming to you directly from God. It's so beautiful that a Christian allows the Holy Spirit to perfect his life and bring the best of heaven to his life. And we said it is supernatural. It's not natural. It's not what you do. It is totally supernatural and mostly spectacular. Now, there are three classes of these gifts according to what they do or how they manifest. Each class works together. It's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit is so awesome. Each class interacts together. You will see how they really complement each other and how they work interactively to bring out the ministries that the Holy Spirit wants to bring out uh, for the Christian. So in each class, you see those members of one class, how they really relate and how they really work with each other. It's amazing, totally amazing, you know. So we said, um, number one, the revelation gifts. We spoke about this last week. The revelation gifts, gifts that reveal something. These gifts reveal something. Gifts that reveal something. Now, number one is the word of wisdom, which we said is the number one, the most important manifestation of all the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The word of wisdom is the most, that's number one. This is not the simple wisdom we deal with, with which we deal with the affairs of life. No, that's natural. Every Christian should have wisdom. But not every free Christian has word of wisdom. Every Christian, should, the, the book of James says, if you lack wisdom, ask, God will give you. So it is not the wisdom to how to marry your wife and how to do No, it's not the wisdom to deal with the, not, the normal daily life that we live. It is called the gift of word of wisdom. It's not words of wisdom. Word, W-O-R-D, no S. It's word, why? Because God has... N- Limitless wisdom, but he gives you a word. You know, they say in, the, in, the, in, the, in English, they say a word is enough for the wise. He gives you a word, a tiny revelation of his, what he wants to do. That's why it's called word of wisdom. A tiny revelation of the innumerable, the limitless wisdom of God. A tiny revelation. So it's a, and it is not the wisdom that you operate. It is what God wants to do. It's not what you do. It's what he wants to do. It's called word of wisdom. It's his wisdom. What he wants, his plan, his, his plan, his purpose and his will. What he is planning to execute at a time of his choosing and where he chooses. That's why it is futuristic. It is future. So it cannot be then the normal wisdom with which we live because if that is the normal wisdom, by which we live, then we will not live in any wisdom at all. We'll be waiting for the future when it begins to manifest. 
So it is God's plan, his will, his purpose that he reveals to you what he will do in future. Not what you will do or anybody knows what he, God, plans to do in future. For instance, we see that before Jesus came, he revealed it to the prophet. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is word of wisdom. He said, I'm planning to send him. A virgin will conceive, bear a son, his name will be Emmanuel. That's my plan. It's the plan of God. The purpose, the will, and the plan that God wants to execute in future. It's called word of wisdom. It's not the wisdom with which you deal with affairs of life. No. It's not even the wisdom that comes from studying scriptures. No. This is a supernatural. Always remember it. It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit to give you this revelation. Can we close that door, please? It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit to give you this revelation. It's a supernatural. It is not natural. Nothing about these gifts is natural. If you make it natural, you miss it. It has nothing to do with natural means or what you learn or what you're able to do. It is a supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. Exclusively supernatural in origin and execution. Then we talked about the word of knowledge. It's not general knowledge that scripture gives. It's not knowledge you learn about natural things. It doesn't come by natural learning. Again, there is nothing like gift of knowledge. People, there's nothing like that. There's no verse of scripture that talks about things like that. There's nothing like gifts of knowledge. Again, it's a word of knowledge. It didn't say words. It didn't say words. In the vast knowledge that God has, he gives you a word, a little bit, a word of knowledge. And this is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning certain facts in the mind of God. You don't know it. You don't know it. God knows it. But he reveals it to you in the mind of God and not in your own mind. It is something, this thing that concerns facts about places, about people, or things. Past and present. What is happening now about a place, about a people, about things happening now or past. It's not futuristic because it's not God's plan. It's what is happening right now, he's telling you. It may be execution of his plan, but it's right now. So it's not something in future. It may be, but it's happening. It has to be happening now or it has happened. And he's revealing it to you. We talked about designing our spirit. It's not seeing people's faults and finding fault. The Bible says to mind your own business, people. First Peter 4:15 says we should not suffer as prying into other people. Let me read it. If you suffer, however, it must not be as a mod, uh, for murder stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. You see, the Holy Spirit said we shouldn't pry into people's affairs. Mind your business. 
Jesus said, look, go, go remove the log in your eye before you go check out pick in somebody's eye. So that's not, that's not the sign of spirit. Say, I know everybody. I know, I know. I decide. You didn't decide. I call, you are just, you're just exposing your ignorance. You should not pry into other people's business. Who makes you a judge over God's people? Who, who makes thee a judge? It's pride to sit in the seat of a judge. You, it's only the lawgiver that sits over to judge the law he gave. All of us are to give account. Nobody should sit in judgment. Bible says judge not. So it's not this fault finding where people revel in look, looking for. It's demonic. How can all you see is fault? Is, that nothing? is there nothing positive to talk about? And if it's all fault, 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 then you must be the holiest person. You are the only good person. The, all the rest of them are evil. Hasn't, doesn't even that tell you that this is not the Holy Spirit? So it is not fault finding people. Again, confusion. People take it and they are persuaded they are operating the sign of spirit. But it's, not, it's not that. And then some people, all they see is a witch. Your mother is a witch. This is demonic. It's not God. They have broken homes, destroyed families, spewing falsehood. This thing is satanic. They will find who is doing this to you. It is your grandmother. It is, it's unbelievable. And people, intelligent people who went to school, sit down there because of their spiritual ignorance and swallow these things. You know, I tell a story. When I used to go for meetings in New Hampshire a lot, when I was in district council, and there was a dispute when you go into New Hampshire after Connecticut, state of Connecticut, because you, I used to travel so many states, about seven, eight hours of that. This point, there used to be accident, a lot of accident. And then they didn't say it was a witch. What they did was they set up camera to watch why these accidents would happen. And they realized that the, the road was so paved so beautiful that when you come up a, a little hill and you go down, the temptation is to take off because when you go down, it's a straight road. So they realize that, oh, wow, that's the point. So all they did was to put a police car. Nobody was there. They just put a police car. Once you climb up, the first thing you see is that police car. The natural thing is you, you go on your brakes. That accident stopped. It stopped. It's not witches doing not witches. The Bible says if you are dividing, you are not walking with the Spirit of Christ. If you are gathering, you are walking with the Spirit of Christ. If you he that gossiped divides people, divides families, this divides causes souls discord. That's not the Holy Spirit, people. It's not. And it's so common. So it's designing us. It's not. This gift is a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit, through which you see all classes of spirit. You see not only demons, you also see angels. You see the good ones. You see the good ones too. You see through the spirit world. I have good report also. And all this too, you see how these things interact. The word of wisdom that God can reveal to you, the word of knowledge that God can reveal to you, 
can come through discerning of spirit. That's why I say the entire. God can give you word of knowledge by a dream or a trance or open vision or spiritual vision. Spiritual vision is the vision you see inside. You are seeing it for real. You are not seeing it from outside, but for real. You are seeing it in your spirit. And by the grace of God, uh, God has shown me things like that by my spirit. I just have seen it inside of me. But that's not the only way. But for you see how they interact. That through the sign of spirit, which is seeing vision, seeing into the spirit world, God can give you word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Or God can just show you spiritual realities. But that's not the only way. Word of wisdom and word of knowledge operate. Word of wisdom and word of knowledge, they operate mostly by simple inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspires you. You see, if you, if you understand these things, if you watch people on the pulpit here, you will know when they're speaking word of wisdom, word of knowledge. It comes. All these things operate in the body of Christ. They're because people are not knowledgeable. They don't know when God is pronouncing what he will do for the church. Instead of them saying amen and receiving it, they sit down there and be, because they, know anything, they don't know what's happening. This preacher is preaching and suddenly he begins to tell you, the Lord is going to do this. The Lord is, is revealing to you the will of God for you. His plan for you is going into that inspirational pronouncement. And instead of you saying amen and like, because you, are, you don't know what's going on, you sit down there and be looking. You won't receive it and it won't work. But if you know all these things, once it comes, you say, whoa, here comes God revealing his purpose and will for us. God, this season, God will do this. God will do that. You say, amen, Lord, I receive it. It's coming from God. This is word of wisdom. Oh, my God. It's coming my way. And you go home rejoicing. You write it down. God's purpose and will for me have been revealed that this season, in this, uh, this is what is coming. This is what is coming. By the end of the year, you will, you, everything you have will be, you hear it coming from here. God will do everything for you by the end of the year. By the end of December, this will have, God, God is telling you his purpose and will for you. People, will, they don't understand. Their mind is after rice and stew they cook. And they miss out on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which else you benefit from. Or you hear some of these prophets come up here and they start telling you this is happening in this church. You people don't unknock Jesus. It's his inspirational revelation. It's word of knowledge. You don't honor Jesus. You don't honor God. If you understand this, you know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And you should begin to immediately check yourself so that you don't fall prey to those kind of things. So the sign of spirit is seen into the spirit world. They call it vision. Okay? Now let's go, let's talk about the vocal gifts or inspirational gifts or utterance gifts. You say, it's by saying they operate. They manifest by talking. Again, this is not natural. These things don't come from your natural ability. It is supernatural inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You will now see how these things work together. Then we talked about prophecy. Prophecy is not telling the future. The tragedy of it all 
is because people are ignorant of these things. And they don't take time to study them. And I want to tell you something. You may be a Christian and all your life never hear a teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All your life as a Christian. You never hear a teaching on Christ Jesus, who he is, what he did for you. And that's the main thing. All you hear is, a Christian doesn't do this, a Christian doesn't do that, a Christian doesn't do that. That's all. You may not hear a teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Something this important, something which is the, 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 the real deal in this last dispensation. And so people don't understand it. So to them, everything is prophecy. Even people who translate this to our Bible, some of them, they just confuse things like that. Everything is not prophecy. The Bible, the Holy Spirit is not confused about what is written in that Bible. I still go to King James, the old King James. With all this problem of interpreting old language, it still retains some of the you know, language that is real and true. And let me tell you, people, I, the, the someone I listen to these days, it's people who preach 100 years back. Those people knew what they are talking about. Things have been watered down and confused over flamboyant and psychedelic Christianity that is flooding the whole time. Prophecy is not telling the future in the New Testament. The gift of prophecy is not about telling the future. People, read Bible. It tells us what it is exactly. First Corinthians 14 3. But he that prophesied, old King James, God bless you, bless the people who gave us King James. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That's what he says. If you prophesy, that's what you are doing. If you find anything else, show us in the Bible. Let's read. In the New Testament context, in the New Testament context, this is what prophecy is. He that prophesied, speaketh unto men to edification, to edify them, exhort them, comfort them. Why? There's, the enemy is, is, people are being discouraged. A, a lot of people are backsliding. Some years ago, a pastor came to me. He said, Pastor, you can't believe I went to a native doctor. It was that bad. Do you know how many people have lost their faith because of pressure of life? Do you know? So this, this, this gift is so important. Paul said, I wish everybody would do it. We need to encourage, we need this anointing to revive people, encourage them, exhort them. Come on, especially in this last day when it's very difficult to be a Christian, when the mainstream culture is completely anti-Christ. The same thing they've done with intercession and supplication. Everything is intercession. I got intercession prayer, intercessory prayer. What is intercession? It doesn't know. It's just copy, copy, follow, follow. Intercession, everything is intercession. Because it's intercession. It looks spiritual. <laughs> but the Bible differentiates intercession and um, 
supplication. It differentiates, and when we talk about prayer by the grace of God, we talk about it from Bible. Everything is not intercession. It's just because people are not going to study their scriptures to understand clearly what the Spirit is saying to the church. So they copy, they hear, they call it this, they will call it this, follow, 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 follow. No judging it, no trying to find clarity so that make sure that what you are believing is correct. So the gift of prophecy is number one there we, we read, and it oppressed by saying, it sustains the brethren, comforting the brethren, it defines the brethren. That's how it works. Diverse tongues is giving message in tongues to the church. Diverse tongues is giving message in tongues to the church to achieve the same thing as prophecy. Prophecy is giving message in no language to edify, exhort, and comfort. That's prophecy. Diverse tongues, this message in tongue, in an unknown language, to do the same thing, to edify, exhort, and comfort. So prophecy is giving message to church in a known language, while diverse tongues gives message to in a language not known by the speaker. The speaker doesn't know it, but not necessarily not known by the hearer. The speaker doesn't know it, but sometimes it is the language the hearer even understands. But sometimes it's the language that the hearer does not understand. You can't be confused here. It is giving message in unknown tongue to the hearer, to the speaker. The person speaking it doesn't know it. So it is a supernatural thing by the Holy Spirit that's speaking and giving message in a language he doesn't know. But in this giving of message, sometimes, like the scripture says, that tongues is a sign to the, to the heathens. He speaks in a language that the heathens hear. But he who speaks it doesn't know it. Let's see an example here in Acts 2 7. Acts 2 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They said. They exclaimed, These people are all from Galilee. So they shouldn't know our language, but they're all from Galilee. And yet, we hear them, you see, they hear them speaking in our native language. Why? The Bible said the Spirit gave them that utterance. That was the first time they started speaking in tongues. It gave them that utterance. And the Bible called it speaking in tongues. And they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And here is what they were saying. They were speaking in language that they have not learned. It is supernatural. It's not natural. But the people they were talking to understood it and said, oh my God, these are Galileans. How come they're speaking in our native language? They didn't learn it. That's supernatural. Supernatural. A sign to the heathens. But now in church, you can also give message in an unknown language that nobody knows. Nobody. Nobody. That now gives rise to interpretation. The, the gift of interpretation of tongues is to render the message in tongues understandable in a known language. I hope, I believe that we really understand it by this time. Now we go to the last one, which we have to deal with, the third class. The power gifts. 
this group of gifts do, do something. They make things happen. Action gifts. They do something. They make things happen. Action gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. To another faith by the same spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To verse 10. To another the working of miracles. You see, again, he puts it in order of importance. You are going to see why. And see how they work together again. They work together again. They work together again. The one we just discussed, utterance, they work together. Because you can give message in a known language, or you can give it in an unknown language, but you are giving for the same purpose, to defy, to comfort, to encourage people. So they work together. Now, these ones work together too. So there are three of them. He says, to another, faith by the same spirit. Faith is the most important of these three. So it comes first. And you'll see why. To another, the gift of healing, the gifts, not gift, gifts, plural, gifts of healing. And you see why. As we conclude this, you are going to see why. It is called gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. By the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Now, let's, let's start from the gift of faith, which is number one in this class, followed by gifts of healing. And the last is miracles. So the gift of faith. The gift of faith is not the general faith tool by which we live. Like the word of wisdom, it's not the general wisdom. It's not the general faith by which we live or to receive, by which we receive things that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is not the one we are talking about here. Every believer ought to develop his faith to receive. But the gift of faith, every believer does not have it. You don't have all faith. So you may not even have, I mean, you don't have all gifts. So you may not have this one. You may not have this one. You may not have this one. So the gift of faith is not the gift to receive by which we receive everything. It is not saving faith by which you receive salvation. That comes from hearing the gospel preached to you. Everyone needs to he- be saved. And there's a side-saving faith that comes from hearing the gospel. But not everyone manifests the gift of faith. Not everyone. Now, the confusion is this. Let's clear it up right here. Many well-meaning believers do not understand that there are different types of faith. That's where the trouble is. So they think every faith is the same and promptly get confused when things are not working. Example, seven faith needs no works. Oh, they say James and uh, Paul are confused. They are not. It's because they don't understand that seven faith is different. It doesn't need works. So Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not yourself, it is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. God gives you this faith through the gospel. So every human being on earth should come and receive this. This is for every human being to be saved. And he said, not of works, 
So it's not by what works we do. It's not by works. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. It is by what Jesus did. This is called saving faith. It does not require, you have no works to save you by. Now, there is general faith by which we live. The just shall live by his faith. Now you are justified. Now you are just. Now you are saved. The just. You now live by this general faith by which you receive healing, by which you live every day in the power of God, by which you live the life of Christ. By which you live the life of Christ. It's called general faith, the just. You, are you justified? Well, how were you justified when you came by faith and received Christ? That's the, that's the saving faith that made you justified. Now you are justified. Now you live by general faith by which you live daily. This is not the same as the gift of faith we are talking about. Because every believer should live by general faith. But not every believer has the gift of, have the gift of faith. So, and this, for instance, let's see it by example. This general faith is manifested both by words and by action. That's why the book of James said that faith without works is dead. It's, it manifests by work. It manifests by word. Now, let's see an example so we're not confused. Action. Mark 2, 5. When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. So, he saw action. He saw action. He said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He saw action. If you say you are healed, God needs to see action. That shows you are healed. If you say your prayers in sunset, there needs to be action. If you say now you are justified, you are now justified, you have, you have new life, you say there now needs to be action that shows, yes, you have something new in you. Then it manifests by words that can be heard. Matthew 8, 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my foot, under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Verse 9. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I said to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus had it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. He heard what the man said. The man spoke words of faith. So you release your faith by what you say and by what you do. That's how general faith works. You can't say I have faith, I believe this, and you are saying something different. No. Your action and your words must agree. That's how we live daily. That's how we live daily. So, it, the, the, these things we describe, it's not the gift of faith. These are the general faith that a just, the just, the Christian lives by every day. Now, what is this gift of faith? It is a supernatural manifestation of faith by the Holy Spirit. Again, nothing natural there. It's what the Holy Spirit does. Supernatural manifestation of faith by the Holy Spirit in a believer. This is not the faith that comes through by hearing the word like we said, which every believer should have, expect to have. Gift of faith is, no, is not for every believer. Like all this other faith is for every believer. And the gift of faith 
is manifested as the Spirit chooses. When he chooses, where he chooses. So you don't have, you don't have all gifts. So you may not have the gift of faith, like we said. Now, to further understand it better, we are going to define this gift in comparison with the gift of miracles and also the gift of healing. So we can understand them better. Drawing contrast will help you understand the gift of faith. Now, the, the, let's talk about it again. This gift of faith is a gift of faith to the believer too, in order that he may, listen to me, receive a miracle. Not perform a miracle. Faith receives all the time. Faith is receiving. It's a supernatural faith beyond what it has, beyond the one he read from Scripture, that, that the Holy Spirit impacts in him to receive a miracle, which ordinarily he will not be able to. And mostly it works when there is danger, when you are in danger, especially for people who are missionaries, and when they are in danger, not only missionaries, so when you hear some testimonies, people come and testify, oh, I was faced with this kind of thing and I stood my ground. It could be the gift of faith operating. So you don't copy, you don't, you don't copy testimonies. You copy scripture. You follow scripture so that you operate at your level of general faith. If God gives you gift of faith, you can rise and do that. So you don't copy it. You do not. You follow general faith. And then with general faith, all things will be possible to you too. If you build your faith up, all things will be possible to you too. But this one is what God chooses to come and do in the life of that person for that moment. And that anointing lives. That's it. It's not permanent. Because you must live by your faith. It's not permanent. So it is faith to receive a miracle. Why the gift of working of miracle is a gift given by the Holy Spirit to a believer to work a miracle. To work a miracle. This one is to receive a miracle. This one is to work a miracle. This is to receive a miracle. This is to work a miracle. Now, is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit to work miracles through a believer. One receives, one works. Again, let me say it. One receives a miracle, one works a miracle. Now, you can see, let me show you how these, two, these things work together. The, the gift of faith will make you receive a miracle. But listen to me carefully now. The gift of faith manifesting will make you also work a miracle. Because for you to work miracle, you have to believe. You have to believe that all things are possible. You, you, you believe that this is, this is, this is happening. It, that, that faith makes you do something. This is for receiving only. But this one ignites you to rise and do miracles. So you see that they're inter interrelated. You have faith to receive a miracle is exclusively the gift of faith only. That receive this supernatural miracle which naturally you will not be able to receive on your own. 
But now, here you are, all of a sudden, you have this, you have this boldness to perform a miracle. It's the anointing of God moving in you to believe that this is going to is, is happening. So you see, they're really interrelated somehow. They're really interrelated somehow. Now let's look at the example, supernatural gift of faith to Peter. Acts 12, 2 to 4. He had the apostle, James, John's brother killed. That's Herod with a sword. When Herod saw how much displeased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Remember, James had been killed. That's John's brother. Herod now arrested Peter because he pleased the Jews. He also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four quaternions of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out to public trial after the Passover, which means to kill him. Verse 6, look at the gift of supernatural faith at work to receive a miracle. Look at it right here. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. You don't sleep. It's not natural. <laughs> you, you, you don't sleep, my friend. You know they are going to kill you the, the following day. You, and that man will kill him because he has killed somebody. You don't sleep. It's not natural. Breathing is not natural. This is supernatural. Supernatural gift of faith in operation to deliver Peter to receive that miracle. So the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fasting with two chains. So between two soldiers, he was sleeping when he was fasting with chains between two soldiers. It's not natural. It's supernatural. All that that stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light. See, that faith to receive miracle happened. Peter wasn't even, it wasn't natural, it wasn't even from him, but he was sleeping. He had that peace to sleep. He He had that tranquility to sleep. It wasn't natural. So others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Even he needed to be awakened. (laughs) And said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered, and Peter did all of that. The Bible said it was when he got to the main road, he realized this was real. But for him to sleep, to be, to be in such tranquil state of mind, was not natural. That's a gift of it, special gift, to receive a miracle. Now, you know the church was praying. It wasn't the faith of the church. Forget it. They were not even expecting Peter out. Look at it, Acts chapter 12 now, verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Pray, let's pray. They started pray, pray, pray. <laughs> pray. Verse 5. Then, verse 5, let's move to verse 5 because of that. He knocked at the door in the gate, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, 
she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. They said, you've, you are out of your mind. He called this faith. <laughs> is this faith to receive anything? They say, you are crazy. It can't be. It's not possible. And yet they were praying. It's not every prayer that is of faith. Too. <laughs> they say, you're out of your mind. They said, when she insisted, they decided, okay, it must be an angel, not Peter. <laughs> can't come here, my friend. He's finished. Forget about it. Yet they were praying. <laughs> it's not every prayer that is prayer of faith, too. So it, couldn't, it wasn't their faith that brought Peter out. Because the man got this gift of faith from God and he was fast asleep at peace. The Bible said that faith, you enter the rest of God when you operate in the faith of God. That was perfect. Keep him in perfect peace. God kept that man in perfect rest. The man was man. He was home. He was slept off. Slept off. So we see this, this gift of faith also in so many other instances in the Bible. For instance, Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 28, we won't read it. To put somebody in a furnace, furnace, they made seven times hotter. You know what a furnace looks like? Brother, you know what a furnace looks like? And they make it seven times hotter and they were to throw you in there. And these three young men said, we don't care about it. They say, we don't have time for it. Our God will save us. That's the gift of supernatural faith. That's a gift of supernatural faith to look at a furnace, fiery burning furnace, made seven times hotter and, and defied. It's not natural. Brethren, it's not natural. It's a gift to receive miracle. So what is this gift of miracle that we've talked about? Say that, you know, we said it, you know, God, God manifests in some people to perform miracle. A miracle is a divine intervention in ordinary course of nature. This is according to um, um, the, the Holy Spirit and his gifts by Kenny Hagin. He said the miracle is a, a divine intervention in ordinary course of nature. Peter at the gate called beautiful. This is not healing. What happened at the gate of beautiful is not healing. And let me say it here and now. Many people miss the intervention of God because when they need a miracle, they are using scripture for healing. And it doesn't work. God is not confused. You may be. There's distinct activity called miracle. There's distinct activity called healing. They're not the same. They're not the same people. You can't use scripture for healing when you need a miracle. So, the, the, the Bible says there's a gift of, of miracle. Gift of miracle. Different from gifts of healing. It didn't, it didn't join it together. So, a miracle is a divine intervention in ordinary course of nature. Healing is a process to become healthy again. You were healthy before. Then you became sick. To restore you to health is called healing. 
But you were born, you were born without bone. You were born naturally like that. It's not healing. What you need is a miracle. For God to intervene in that natural process in your life. It's intervention. Ordinary course of nature. You were naturally born like that. Nature brought you out like that. It requires a miracle. Not healing. Healing, you were, you were healthy. Then you became sick. Then you are restored to health. That's called healing. But now you, you are born... You were born with something you didn't have. That's not healing you need. You need a miracle because by nature you were born like that. It's the cause of nature for your life. So you need a miracle. A sometimes creative miracle is what you need. You can't be saying I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. It won't work. And that's what people do. <laughs> Say they're claiming healing. God will heal me. No, it won't work. Let's see, let's see an example of gift of miracle. So understand this in Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. This is not healing people. Naturally, he was born that way. That's the cause of nature for him. He came to this eight like that. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. When they laid, whom they laid daily at the gate, at the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of, of them that entered into the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to get into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I known. But such as I have given to thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He took, up, he took him, he took him, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. That's divine intervention in the natural cause for him. And he leaped up. He, leap, he leaping up stood and walked. Entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. This is divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. He was born like that. If he was born with full leg and something happened, and then that would be healing. That would be restoring him to health. Moses at the Red Sea was a miracle. Ordinary course of nature was the sea will flow in, but God intervened and divided it. That's a miracle. Intervention in ordinary course of nature, suspending nature. Suspending natural process, natural phenomenon, called a miracle. So never mix up scriptures for healing and miracle. If you need a miracle, grab scripture for miracle, and you get one. If you need a healing, grab scriptures for healing, you get one. But don't mix it up. 
Now, because the Holy Spirit divided, separated the gifts of healing from the gifts of miracle. So they are not the same thing. So the gift of healing is not, has nothing to do with the medical science or human learning. Like we said, all these gifts are supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Not natural at all. Exclusively supernatural, divine in origin and in execution. Now, as we teach this, this does not discourage the use of medicine. Please, go see your doctor. If you have emergency, call 911. Go see your doctor. You know, and then God will use them to help you. That you went to hospital doesn't mean you don't have faith. When you go there, just trust God, pray for the doctor, pray for the medicine, because sometimes you, you can get misdiagnosed. You pray for your doctor, pray for the medicine, pray, pray, and, and, and tell God they are still my healer. I, tr I trust you. I pray over these things, Lord. Use them. Teach them what to do. And, and then one prayer you must pray if you are going to the doctor or if you are in hospital. Listen to me. Pray that God will quicken the pressures of healing for you. Make it fast. It works. Oh, brother, it works all the time. Pray and say, Lord, quicken the process. This medicine is from men. I pray that you touch it and increase this power. Quicken this process, Father, that everybody will know that this is the hand of God. I will do it for you. You know, there's natural healing. God, God created this body. The body can heal itself. So medicines and things, they operate through the natural to heal you. But God now can intervene in that process. And then by his power, he will make that process faster. So you can pray that prayer and say, Lord, I need you to make this faster so that it will work faster for me. And he will. But what we're talking about here, it's not that. What we're talking about here is a direct intervention of the Holy Spirit without medicine, without doctor, without nothing. This is, we're not, it is not even the healing you get by believing scriptures. It's not the same. It's not the healing you get by, by the, again, the faith you live by, like we said. It's not those ones you develop. No, no. Everybody, should, everybody should grow their faith to the point that they can believe the scripture and get healing directly from the Holy Spirit. You can believe and walk by your faith, and your faith will make you whole. In the Bible, a lot of people, their faith made them whole. Why shouldn't my faith make me whole? You, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here. It's a direct supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit to bring healing for you. You remember that Jesus came to where there were a lot of sick people. You know, pool of Siloam, you know, if the angel will start the water, and then the first that gets, gets healed. And Jesus came there and saw one man lame. He said, would that be me though? I've been there for I don't know how many years, 30 something years. The man was telling Jesus, I don't have any man. Jesus said, get up, carry up, mat and go. That's direct divine intervention. No doctor, nothing. He didn't even know who Jesus was. So it wasn't his, it wasn't his natural faith, nothing. It was direct intervention of the power of God to heal him. And in that place where all manner of people seek, and yet, it was only one man. And after Jesus healed him, Jesus walked away and left this other one. Why? Because on the cross, he will make healing available to everybody. 
He will make healing available to humanity on the cross. So it is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the supernatural healing of sickness and diseases without any natural source or means. And look at Acts 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, verse 7, for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. They were not born paralyzed and lame, maybe polio or whatever. They were paralyzed and lame. They were healed. They were restored to walking. The Bible called it healing. The Holy Spirit is not confused. He called it healing. And there was great joy in that city. Now, see why it is the gifts, the gifts of healings. In the ministry of Philips, we didn't see one blind man eye open. Not one. We didn't see any blind man's eye open. So it is gifts. So Philip was operating in his area of bringing, making the lame walk. But no single blind man's eyes was open. Somebody else has the gift of healing to open blind eyes. If it comes, blind eyes are opening, but lame people won't walk. It is plural, gifts, gifts of healing, gifts, gifts of healing. Paul can have gifts of healing to open blind eyes. My sister here can have the gifts of healing for lame people to walk. Somebody else might have the gift of healing for growths to disappear. Why? When the body of Christ is operating, the whole gift is there. The whole gift is there. But when we are ignorant and the Spirit is prompting you, we sit down there and we miss out and we lose. And we don't develop these things because we don't understand them. And we are fearful. Let me remind us what I read at the beginning. At the beginning. First Peter 14. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Each of us. Use them well. To serve one another. Yep. Yep. It's not for pastors alone. The whole body of Christ. You have one. I have something. Everybody has something. See, we went to a believers meeting. The Lord told me, he said, start believers meeting. He told me, he said, the church is a place where all the gifts manifest. He said, that's why I said, when the church comes together, everyone has this. This one has this. This one has this. He says, start believers meeting. And turn them loose to manifest their gifting. That's what you told me. Say, turn them loose. Let them manifest their gifting. But many are afraid. It's prompting them. <laughs> we have some gifts sometimes, tongues and interpretation. We thank God for that. And we have powerful, powerful, 
prophecies, you know, exhortation, edification, comfort, powerful, ministering all the time. We have tons of interpretation sometimes. Sometimes word of knowledge comes. Sometimes we have word of wisdom come. But we want more, 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 so that the body is blessed. Paul in Melita, Island of Melita, Acts chapter 28, 7. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publus. Publus, who received us and lodged us the three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publus lay sick of a fever and of, of a bloody flux. To whom Paul entered in and prayed, laid on him, healed him. <laughs> healed him, restored him to health. Verse 9. So when this was done, others also quit diseases in the island came and were healed. So the gifts of healing began manifested the through Paul. Healing, restoring. We didn't hear miracle here. We hear healing. Healing. Not that God did not use Paul in miracles, but we just want to show all that the healing process is differentiated from a miracle. So we know that the gift of healing is, is the supernatural manifestation in a believer to bring specific healings, areas of healing to people. And then manifestation to bring miracles, God's intervention in the, in the ordinary course of nature, in the lives of people. But you know, the gift of faith also works in all this. You have to really believe to be able to, because when God is prompting you to, you don't, you don't respond. You have to really believe. You need to, <laughs> one of my daughters here, I told her, I said, you, you, I, I don't know how to place you. I think you, I see you as a prophet. I see you as an evangelist. I'm beginning to believe you are really an apostle because apostles operate all this. Apostles operate all the offices of the church. That's why it's number one. Because they're the ones that break ground. Because they don't have anybody. So they, they break ground, plant the church, and start through the anointing and gifting. People start developing all these offices and coming from the apostles' gifting. He manifests this, manifests teaching. They are powerful teachers. They are evangelists. They're because when they start a church, they don't have anybody. So they're bound to operate all these things until God begins to develop people under them. Under them. So we're done with all these gifts of the Spirit. You shall now understand them. Let me deal with Titan. The doctrine of financial stewardship through Titan and offering. Now, Titan was one of the revelations Abraham had, had before Moses was even born. And the law was given, and the law was given. Abraham lived under grace because there was no law. He simply lived by faith. And no laws. So look at what the, what the scripture said about Abraham. He lived by revelation. Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? What did he discover? Verse, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had 
whereof the glory, but not before God. For what said the scripture? Abraham believed God. See, he walked by faith, believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that walked not, but believed on him that justified ungodly, his faith was counted for righteousness. Abraham found that God will count you righteous if you believe him. Today, people are still struggling with it. And he talked about it was grace. Revelation he had that time. Incredible. So Abraham had a revelation of tight. And God told the Levites that the ministry of Titan, that Titan is holy and belongs to God. And the priest should collect it. In Leviticus 27, 30, 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It's the Lord's. So the priests then are collecting the tithe. So, but in this dispensation, we do have priesthood. In the new dispensation, there is priesthood. The present dispensation of grace has its priesthood. And the way the priest, the minister, the priest minister. And Jesus sets up the priesthood as the chief high priest, the great high priest. And we are priests. He's the great high priest. But the Bible tells us how this priesthood operates. It doesn't operate like the Levites. Or you say, but so they shouldn't collect tithes. No, read Bible. Hebrews 7, 11. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood? So God established a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron. This priesthood of the New Testament is in the order. It operates like Melchizedek's Priesthood. That's what it means. In the order of Melchizedek was not from the Levites. He said, oppressed in the order. Whatever you see Melchizedek do is what the new priesthood does. That's what it means. Patterned after Melchizedek. It is in our article of faith. Hebrews 7, 17 says, and the psalmist pointed this out. When he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He said, this priesthood that is coming is going to be in the order of Melchizedek. So, did the priesthood of Melchizedek receive tithes? Of course. And so, if the priesthood of Melchizedek received tithes, and the priesthood of Christ is ordered in that order, then the priesthood of the New, the New Testament also receives tight CZ. Shouldn't be confused. Look at the priesthood of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem, and also a priest of God Mosai. When Abraham was returning home from winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Verse 2. Then Abraham took a tent. Who told Abraham to do that? That man was walking by revelation. And we should walk by revelation, not by law. So what did he find out? Now look at it. Then, verse 2. 
Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. Before God wrote it in Leviticus, Abraham knew that the tithe belongs to God and is holy. He gave it to me. To me, to me. Then the name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Verse 3. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever. Forever. Because that priesthood continues in Christ. That's why it's forever. So the priesthood that receives tithe, receives it forever. Shouldn't be confused. Resembling the Son of God. Verse 4. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he has taken in battle. You recognize the priesthood of Jesus. You bring tithe to that priesthood. Verse 5. Now the Lord of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel. That's law who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tithe from Abraham. <laughs> he said, the priesthood of Melchizedek collects tithe, collected it from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing of Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. Haven't you received the promise of God? Are you not walking in the blessings of Abraham? Shouldn't the priesthood of Christ collect tithe from you and place a blessing on you too? And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Isn't Christ greater to bless us? So, the Bible says that these things were written for us to learn. In Romans 15, for, for whatever things were written are forth, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. It is written for us to learn. The church is the body of Christ and the priests of God, of Jesus, on earth. Ephesians 5.30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his body. So together we represent the priesthood of Christ here on earth. Revelation 1.6. I had made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the places of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what does this mean? It means the church. We represent the priesthood of Jesus Christ, and we are his body. So the tithe comes to the church, not to the individual. No individual has the right to take the tithe. It comes to his, his priesthood. His priesthood is vested in, the, in his church, his body. That's why we bring it. Oh, Peter wrote, he said, have you recognized the honor God has placed on Christ? God was asking me this question. He said, have you recognized the honor I placed on my son? That when you pray in his name, do you recognize the honor in that name? When you rebuke the demons, do you recognize the honor in that name? Abraham recognized the honor makers that they had and brought that tithe. 
when you recognize the honor that Jesus has as your great high priest, you will in love and in, in serving bring tight to him, to, to the church that represents his presence here on earth. We are his place of habitation. And then the church can now use it for the work of the ministry. What the church, no pastor has the right to take tithe. No pastor should take tithe. None. It should come to the body of Christ. We are the priests, all of us. The body of Christ. We are, if you're a pastor, you're only part of the body. We take it and use it to, to serve the kingdom. Now, because the scripture says in the New Testament, you don't give the tithe, the tithe to the pastors. Rather, you pay them well. That's what the Bible teaches. We now pay them well. 1 Timothy 5, 7, 17. Elders who do their work with his pastors well should be respected and paid well. We shouldn't give them tithe. We pay them so it is the job of the people who manage the church money to determine, those who determine salaries, to make sure that pastors and church workers are well remunerated. It's an assignment the Holy Spirit gave, gave, gave us. Elders who do their work well should, should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it turns out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. That's how you enumerate a Christian worker. He's not giving tithe. All these people collecting tithe and say, come under my, you send me tithe, you come under my coverage. It's rubbish. Coverage of who? Co coverage of who? You abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Not the to, to, to come under my coverage. And all these young boys are going to all these big, said, here, a powerful man of God, give him money. That's stealing. It should stop. Don't give him. He's making himself God. Run away. Don't, do not give him penny. He should be paid. That's what the Holy Spirit say. Where he labors. If you want to give anything, then you, you, are, you are praying in Galatians 6 is not to give him tithe. Look at oppression, Galatians 6. Those who are taught by taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. That's different now. When you decide, okay, I want to bless my Sunday school teacher, I want to bless my pastor. Well, they say that's what you, you know, it's up to you. But not to give him tithe. See, he's a powerful man of God. So you, you want to come on that is not covering. Please stop all these kind of things. Please stop that kind of joke. Don't stop man worship and human worship. Stop all of that. You should bow your knees only to God and to Jesus. You should honor people who teach you. The pastor should be honored. The Bible said there are six things that the scriptures say a church must do to their pastor. I'm not here to teach them. But one of them is to honor them. You shouldn't go home and be, and be gossiping about your pastor and talking about him. It is not scriptural. There are six things in the New Testament that Jesus said, this is how you treat my pastors. I even teach you how to pray for them. It's in the Bible. But don't give him tight, my friend. You can bless him with any other thing, as, but not by force. It's as you, you know, from your heart, as you inspired. That's, your, that's all. We, oh, our pastors. 
It's right here. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. That's what the scripture says. We don't give them tithe. Tithe belongs to the body of Christ. And the body of Christ can. That's why at the end of the year also, you must give account to the body because it's their money. You must give account to the money. There's nothing like secret, secret things. No, no. Everything comes to the open. It's owned by the body. They have a say. To ask questions. They, want, they must know what's going on. Where, anywhere you see secrecy, run. Evil thrives in secrecy. Evil runs away when you expose it. I pray that God will help us in Jesus' name. So next Thursday, we start talking about prayer. We'll not be ready for our prayer feast. It's not fasting yet. It's just to get us ready for, to pray according to scriptures. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this time we share together. Thank you for what you've taught us because we prayed at the beginning that this world will have entrance. I have no reason to doubt you. To you be all that glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.